brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Kutzer, you can find me on Twitter at CKutzerFF, joined as always by the TFAOG himself, the man of steel, that is Kevin Steele, you can find him on Twitter at FantasyRat13. Tonight we're going to be talking about our top 12 receivers, uh, just kind of going to be banging out the rest of our rankings here, obviously already did quarterback, tight end, we did running backs last week, so definitely be sure to go back and check those out, uh, but before we get into it, Kev, what's going on, man? How you doing? It's going good. It's going good. Going good. You know, I had a nice little weekend. You know, now we got a four day weekend, a four day week before a nice three day weekend with the Fourth of July this weekend. So it's going good. I mean, we are so close. We're getting close to football next next Monday is the start of SFB ten. So I mean, there's, there's yeah. a lot to be excited about right now in the the fantasy streets. So. Yeah, man. You uh, you have any any Fourth of July plans? You're going to be doing anything? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. So uh, I don't know. It's it's still TBD right now on what mm. what the plan is. So uh, might be on the old YouTube uh, cutting up some videos, you know, because uh, the grind never stops, if you will. Yeah, you gotta gotta fill all those all those places to fill the content. We got the written content popping back up on the site. Got the Instagram popping. We got the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube, the TikTok. Got a little TikTok action for for all of our. Listen, I I thought like TikTok was just going to be a bunch of like thirteen year old kids, and literally every time I just like go to scroll, it's like thirty year old women just on there just shaking, shaking the goods, like <laughs> shaking uh, what their mama gave them. Like how, how did that change so quick? So if if you are on TikTok, throw us a follow over there. Uh, I'm gonna I have a couple of ideas uh, up my sleeve, a couple good ones. So at least I think so anyway. So definitely be sure to give us a follow. And if uh, if you've been one of those people, it's like oh, I'm never gonna get a Facebook. I'm never gonna get a Twitter. I'm sure as hell 
not getting a TikTok, just just give it a chance. It's pretty good. It it definitely uh, definitely take up some time, and you can get down some some rabbit holes with that. And before you know it, you've been just scrolling through videos for an hour and a half, and you have no idea what just happened. Oh, for sure. I've lost like hours of time. I'm like, okay, <laughs> put the phone down. I gotta walk away because like you just the next thing you know, it's like. Oh, I thought I've been watching this for 10 minutes, and here I am. Three hours have gone by. So, yeah, it's been wild. So, yeah, uh, TikTok is a, is a fun place. Also, you can check out the content over on YouTube. We've, we've been doing a lot of uh, smaller videos, cutting them up. We just did an Austin Eckler one. We also have Derrick Henry that we just did. So uh, you can check all that out. But I think the people came here to listen to our takes, not our promotional stuff, right? I mean, now nah, you're right. Um but real quick, our question of the week, since we're going strong with the brand of hashtag nuts on the table, our question of the week, let us know. Like I said, we're going to be going over our top 12 receivers. Give us your hashtag nuts on the table take of who you think is going to be a, a wide receiver one that no one is talking about currently. So use that hashtag, tag us on Twitter, drop it in the comments, leave a rate and review, all that stuff. Uh, that's a, uh, got the idea from Robbie Jeffries to start keeping track of all this and like look back at it at the end of the year. So I definitely want to, want to start doing that every time we throw out a, uh, a hashtag nuts on the table take. So without further ado, here are our top 12 wide receivers for the 2020 season. So I will kick things off here. Our consensus one one I mean, yeah, I guess he, he, he's our consensus one. I have him at one. You have him at two. And that is one Michael Thomas. Really don't need to go into too much here, man. He's one of the receivers I see. There's only a, like maybe three or four that have the target upside that he has. And to go along with that target upside, he, he also has one of the most accurate and consistent quarterbacks. So even if Breeze isn't going to be slinging it as much, he can still get a hundred and 50 60 targets and he's going to catch 110 120 of them so there's i i think there are few receivers and few players in fantasy for that matter that have the high floor and the high ceiling that he gives you on a week-to-week basis and that's not gonna that's not gonna stop any time you know with this year with the addition of manny sanders and uh drafting the uh the tight end from dayton whose name is escaping my mind right now Trotman? Yes, Mr. Mr. Adam Trauman. So for me, like I said, we, we really don't have to go too much further into into Michael Thomas. All right. Well let me let's just jump over to the next one. Let's start with Devontae Adams, who's my wide receiver one uh in this for this. So for me, I think it's it's pretty easy. I still think I do think that Emmanuel Sanders' presence is gonna chip into a little bit of Michael Thomas's workload. But for me, I think that when I look at Devontae Adams, like Devontae Adams is an absolute stud, right? So you look at him, he averaged ten point six targets per game last year. He was one of very few ti- or wide receivers that averaged I had a thirty percent target share, which was third best in the league, was targeted on twenty nine percent of his routes or of all the team's routes, excuse me, um, so that makes sense, uh, which was, I think, second most in the league. He averaged 17.6 fantasy points per game. He did miss some time last year, but he still had 82 receptions, 997 yards, five touchdowns. He was also third in red zone receptions, also led the league with 40, 45% target rate in the red zone. Uh, he was 12th in yards after the catch. Um, some things that I do like about him, they, they had a no-target competition in, in Green Bay, right? So they, it's still him and just him. I mean, you, that you have Alan Lazard, which I know you're a fan of. They still have Marcus Valdez scantley um, Equinemia St. Brown is still there, but it's really just him. And so he is still going 
going to command a heavy workload. He was seventh, and he he uh, has the seventh most PPR points per game since 2014. He's also the only uh, only four receivers last year saw at least 20 percent of their team targets and over 90 percent of their games. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and Devontae Adams was the other, uh, and he was also fourth in slot yards per route run. So there's a lot to like with Devontae Adams. I think that he could come in and command probably somewhere in the range of 160 to 170 targets this year in this offense. And so I, I think the, the floor is certainly there and the ceiling is 100% there. I see. I think you see an, uh, an uptick in touchdowns. I think he probably comes back to, and hits that double-digit excuse me touchdown number. So I prefer Devontae Adams to Michael Thomas, but um, I think he'd go either way with that. Yeah, man, to be honest, uh, we're not going to have too much discussion here with our top you know, three, four, five guys. Um, Adams, Michael Thomas. Like, I, I really that that be that might be a thing where if I'm in multiple leagues and I'm facing that de- decision at you know multiple spots for whatever reason, if I have one of those 104, 108 kind of picks, depending on how all that falls, I might just flip flop between the two. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I like Adams, and I put the tweet out on uh, our Twitter at ff underscore authority. And I really think that we're looking at four players who have a legitimate shot at wide receiver one overall. Not like an outside, not like a hot take. But, I mean, basically we're looking at Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Tyreek, and Julio, right? Like, do you feel like those are the four who you feel have the best shot to finish as the number one receiver? Is there anybody outside of those four? that come to come to mind right off the top of your head who you think have a have a true legitimate shot i think there are a couple that do a couple other than that i think that you could probably make a case for Allen robinson which i know is hot because a lot of people are a little bit lower on him but i definitely think that he has that in his range of outcomes um in this offense especially one that was as bad as it was for, for him to be as productive as he was last year in such a bad offense i think that he can take a step forward especially with like the likelihood of nick Foles, which we'll talk a little bit more about him a little bit in a little bit but i think he has that upside and i do think that i think chris godwin has that upside i i, I think he could hit that as well so i think those would be the two guys that i would probably and possibly i guess odell i, I do think odell still has that in oh him i know we haven't seen it in a while from him and i know for most people again he's another guy we'll have a so i don't want to get too far into it because we got a battle coming up with him and odell or with odell because i am much higher on him than you but I, I think he has that in his range of outcomes as well yeah so it, point being there's still very few these top couple of guys you can you know i mean put like i always say put their names in a bag pull one out i'm gonna be fine I, with them i think i'd put it like this i think i think those four you mentioned probably have you know somewhere in the range of 40 50 percent likelihood of, of it being one of them and then i think these other guys that i just mentioned are probably more in that 10 to 15 percent range like it's a little bit more unlikely right right so moving on here, uh, our number three is going to be Julio Jones. Uh, again, another guy who really doesn't need too much discussion here. If you look at what he's done over the past several seasons, I mean, the dude's just been a straight-up monster. The The touchdowns haven't always been there. The week-to-week consistency is also something you could question. But if you go back all the way back to 2014, he has had – basically 1,400 receiving yards every single year. He just missed that by six yards last year. I mean, you're looking at over the past three years, 148, 170, 157 targets. Like I said, the the thing that's holding him back from that wide receiver one upside has just basically been the the touchdowns, right? For whatever reason, he's just – 
not being targeted in, you know, especially in the at the goal line within the five, within the ten, as what you would think he would be, especially with how talented he is. But he's still going to get his. This is an offense that we love this year. Even if Calvin really takes a step forward, which we're all banking on, uh, really hasn't had 100 targets yet in his career. I think we're all banking on the fact that he's going to get up to that 120, 130, possibly even 140 range. But they're missing 200 plus targets in this offense. So is Julio going to get to the you know 190, 200 where he used to be? No, he's not. But um, I, I really don't think that he has to be to pay off uh, to pay off his draft price. If you're looking at where he's going right now, he's going at 201 as a wide receiver four overall. Uh, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, like I said, he is R3. He is Fantasy Pro's consensus four. So we're right in line with with those guys. Um, just he's, he's one of my favorite targets this year. And I know that this gets tossed around a lot, and I don't like this as far as like analysis. But if this is the year he gets those double-digit touchdowns, which again you you can't you can't bank on. He's only had double-digit touchdowns twice in his career, and that was back in 2012. Every year since then has been like eight and six. Um, but if this happens to be the year that he goes for 10, 12, you know, 13 touchdowns, something like that, we could be looking at a wide receiver one overall season from Julio. And he, like I said, he's uh, he's someone who I absolutely love this year, and just that that offense in general. Just a stud. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't need to add anything else into that. So uh, he's been one of my favorite wide receivers over the last 10 years. Like, I just absolutely love Julio. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. So anyways, all right. So let, let's let's jump to number four. It's Tyreek Hill. No surprise. Now, he is much more volatile, right? I mean, last year he played in 12 games, did have that shoulder injury. Uh, yeah, it was week one against the Jags. But he averaged seven targets per game, 22% target share, 58 receptions, 860 yards, seven touchdowns. He averaged 14.8 yards per reception, 15.7 fantasy points per game. Now, the biggest problem with him, I think, for most people is always going to be the fact of how volatile he really is. Because he is going to absolutely fucking win you some weeks where he's going to get you six, you know, he might win you three or four, just absolutely outright win you weeks where he's going to drop you 35, 40 points because that's the type of receiver that he is. If you look over his career uh, for, for him, so uh, he's since entering the league, Tyreek has been uh, targeted 96 times on passes 20 yards down the field and has hauled in 48 of them, which is the second most over that time span. It only has one drop. And then from there, but the, like I said, if you look at him, he had four wide receiver one weeks last year, two wide receiver two weeks, two wide receiver three weeks, and four unusable weeks where in his unusable weeks, like he's like wide receiver 80 or wide receiver 90 for that week where he might get you like one point or something like that. I, I think that, you know, with Pat Mahomes and the offense and everything else, like he has that wide receiver one upside in him uh, or the wide receiver one upside in him because of how explosive he is. He's the most explosive player in the league. You get the ball in his hands. He's the threat to score anytime he has the ball in his hands. However, you have to ask yourself, are you okay or comfortable with how volatile he is as a wide receiver? Because he is going to give you those weeks where he's absolutely going to cost you a week, but he's also going to win you those weeks. So I think as this may not be the year, but I think because they're so constant or they're so overloaded with targets with Kelsey, with McCole Hardman, with um, Demarcus Robinson, you know Sammy Watkins, 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There's so many targets to go around, but the good thing about him is that he's not a player who lives off volume, right? So he's never somebody that's needed a high uh, target share to be able to succeed. And so with all those things considered, I still feel very comfortable taking him there, but you're just going to have to ask yourself, are you comfortable with some of the, that volatility that he brings? And truthfully for me, just as an aside, before we move on to our next guy, who's Chris Godwin, I don't mind having those volatile guys, but I'm not going to have an entire roster of them. Right, like that's something super easy that you can balance out in your drafts by getting someone who's a little on the safer side, who's going to provide you. Maybe they don't have the ceiling that Tyreek has, but you're ba- you're counting on them to get you that twelve to fifteen points per week. So you can definitely balance that out. And if, like like you said, if he has one of the like he has several weeks like that every single year where he is the sole reason why you won that week. Right. So he's that's something that I I personally don't mind. And I think you need guys like that. And like you but like you said, it's just going to come down to do you want to pay the price that he's going at for how volatile he he can be. And I I think that uh, that juice is definitely worth the squeeze. So moving on to, like I said, our number five, who is Chris Godwin, has the ADP of two point oh six wide receiver six overall over at Fantasy Football Calculator and the six. Uh, consensus wide receiver over on fantasy pros. He seems to be someone who's getting like a little bit of, you know, everyone's trying to poke holes and trying to question because of, we don't know what Tom Brady's going to be like. Is Tom Brady the guy that he was and he's getting old and 40 and blah, 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 all that. To me, if you look at, so Godwin had 119 targets last year, but he was 41st in catchable targets. I mean, I think we can bank on Brady improving that. So even if Godwin doesn't end up going up to 140, 150 targets, if he stays around that 120 to 130, but now his targets are more efficient, that's, you know, I mean, that's going to easily be able to balance and counteract each other out there. And I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't be counting on, you know, the, the 120 to 130 range. Because if as excited as we are about that, offense that receiver depth chart is slim and if anything happens to either godwin or evans that other guy just i think is going to be is going to completely explode because i think either of those guys can function as like the true alpha in that offense um and just something else to note with with brady's you know everyone's can he throw deep and the arm talent is he falling off and everything like that Godwin was 23rd in deep targets last year, and he was only averaging one and a half a game. So that's not going to be something that's going to completely throw off his fantasy production. And taking him where he's going is completely fine by me. And I'm not, I'm not scared off of the, the Brady, you know, kind of the cliff coming, so to speak, narrative at all with, uh, with him. Oh, I'm not either. I, I absolutely love Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, we were way, we were ahead of the field last year with him, and I have I'm not scared off of him at all. So, yeah, uh, I totally agree there on that one. So, uh, let's go to the next one, which is probably a little bit controversial. Now, I don't, I don't know if it is or not, but I, I we definitely have him higher than consensus. But uh, we have Allen Robinson at six, where he is going three twelve, which is ridiculous to me that that's how low he's going. Uh, that seems way too low for for him, but he's also you know wide receiver thirteen, but his fantasy pros consensus is wide receiver eight, so we are ahead of uh, there as well. Look, the the dude has been gifted, or I shouldn't say be gifted, or maybe uh, cursed with the worst quarterbacks um, you could possibly imagine, right? Even going back to his college days, where it was what like um, uh, Hackenberg and 
Uh, I can't think of it. What was the other Penn State bum? Um, played for the Raiders. What whoa, was his name? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's pump the brakes there. Christian Hackenberg and Matt McGloin. McGloin, there it is. There it is. Will always, will always be Penn State studs. Okay, you're but, a Penn State guy. I think you're wearing a Penn State hat right now. So And shirt. Okay. So, anyways, so he had those. And then he gets to come to the league and he gets fucking Blake goddamn Bortles, right? <laughs> And then from there he gets to go to he gets to go to Chicago where he gets Mitchell Trubisky and then he gets also Chase Daniel. So like the dude has just had the stone cold worst quarterbacks and he's still produced, right? So you look at him last year, which he never should have. That that offense was so bad last year. However, he averaged nine point six targets per week, eighth in deep targets, twenty seven percent target share, fifteen point nine fantasy points, ninety eight receptions, eleven hundred forty seven yards, seven touchdowns, sixth in completed air yards, fifth in contested catch rate, sixth in total target distance. He also had. 41% or 41% of his snaps came from the targets. Yes, please. That is what we're looking for. That is what I want. There is nothing that scares me off him for this year because who who is the competition, right? It's it's Anthony Miller and what Ted Ginn, who's like 35, 36 years old. There's just no target competition. They have no tight end. Yes, they drafted Cole Komet. Uh, and they also added uh Jimmy Graham, which is who's completely washed. So I'm not worried about that either. So when I look at all those things combined, like Allen Robinson has the safest floor, in my opinion, and has a very high ceiling. Uh, you are going to be hard-pressed to find somebody that has his type of target share. The 27% target share was fantastic. He also he had five wide receiver one week, five wide receiver two weeks, one wide receiver three weeks. So for me, uh, I love Allen Robinson. I've always loved Allen Robinson. I remember, I remember going back, shout-out to like last year, shout-out to Anthony last year, going back and forth, and Anthony was like, Allen Robinson's a bum. Uh, you know, like, you know, uh, he was definitely wrong on that, right? Love Anthony, but I'm going to say that was a bad take. However, with Allen Robinson, right? The dude has always a little bit underrated. Like last year, he was going, what, like sixth, seventh round or something absolutely yeah. ridiculous in drafts last year. And he absolutely smashed that. And now he's going at 312, which to me is still too low for him. I, 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 I would have thought he would have been going like at least early third, 312. If I can get him late third, early fourth, sign me up all day. Yeah, for sure. We 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 were on him last year, even with his uh, his increased price this year. We were definitely on him again. Uh, I mentioned the catchable targets for Chris Godwin. <laughs> Allen Robinson was was even worse. He he had he was fifty sixth in catchable target rate, and he was sixty third in target accuracy. So, uh, you know, TFA's own Jen Smith. Jumped jumped in the in the mentions whenever we put out the tweet about uh, there will be no Allen Robinson slander in the TFA household, and she was saying that you know you're either you're banking on Foles or you or you think Trubisky's going to take a huge step forward, and we both had the same response of like we do think it's going to be Foles at some point. You think it's going to be the beginning of the year. I think it's going to be at some point. It's just a matter of of when, not if. But he doesn't need to have a huge bump. To be able to pay off, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver six overall. I think he was only—I want to say he was twelve points away from wide receiver six last year, and I think twenty points away from wide receiver five last year in uh, in half PPR scoring. So it's it's not going to take a lot for for him to be able to pay this off. And if he's going to be going in that mid to mid to late third round, sign me up. Um, you know that was nice. We we had we had some nice time with that that one to six. But 
we're going to start getting some disagreements here, and it's going to kick us off with a guy that we have been talking about. It seems like uh, all off season started with the uh, the big free agency show that we had back in what was that March, I guess, whenever we had six of us on the pod, and that was just a uh, a hashtag blasty blast, as they say. But we are going to return to a DeAndre Hopkins, who is uh, seventh overall in our consensus rankings. I have him at five. You have him at nine. Uh, why don't you go ahead and you can start off and just say your say your piece. Like I said, we've we've beat this a, lo- a lot so far, uh, but just just sum- summarize why you are lower on him and you have him at nine. Like I said, I have him at five. He is going as wide receiver five in both ADP and the fantasy pros consensus rank. So you were definitely lower on him than uh, than the majority. I am. I'm certainly am. Hashtag nuts on the table. Feel feel strong about this uh, as well. Uh, this is one of those things that I that I will not back off of this year. I do think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to lose targets, and I think that's the, one of the biggest reasons why. Uh, he averaged 10 targets per game last year, 30% target share. That ain't happening this year. I, I can almost guarantee damn to you, he's not going to come right. anywhere close to that. I think it's more on the line of 22 to 24% target share. That's where I think he's going to come in. That's a large amount of targets to lose. He had 104 receptions last year, which was second most. 1165, uh, 1,165 yards. He was 11th in completed air yards, 7th in red zone receptions with 7 touchdowns, and he averaged 17.8 fantasy points per game. Now, if you look at the roster last year for for the Texans, Will Fuller missed a huge chunk of time last year, which... And who else was there? It was Kenny Stills who who didn't really do anything. Kiki Kuti. I mean, there was absolutely nobody there. So he was always the main target. However, now you move into Arizona, and I think this is where things are going to change. One, you start looking at this. Uh, the Cardinals um, are certainly committed to the run, right? Over the final three weeks of the season, the Cardinals went from 24 rush attempts per game to 30. They won two of those three games. The, the Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald are still there. Both of them commanded 100 targets apiece. I don't think those are going to drop off uh, dramatically. So where are all these other targets going to come from for DeAndre Hopkins to get his one? 50, 160 targets because he is not somebody at least that was used heavily as as a deep threat if you look at him 97 of his 104 receptions were 20 yards or less which was a third highest rate in the league so he is somebody that that eats on or that's at least how he was deployed in in houston was somebody that was utilized as a short intermediate route right the dude can catch anything. I love. I mean, I love DeAndre Hopkins as a talent, but my problem is his volume. I don't think it's going to be there for him to hit that. I still think that he has a really strong floor, but I don't think he has the type of ceiling that we're looking for. Kyler only threw 542 pass attempts last year in 2019. I don't know how many more of those you can expect for him to get. Who is he taking targets from? Larry Fitzgerald, I still think, gets 80 to 90 targets. I think that you look at somebody like Christian Kirk, who's probably going to get around 100, 110. They still have guys there like Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella. Kenyon Drake's going to get some. So some of those guys are going to get some. Not enough that's like it's going to affect DeAndre Hopkins, of course. But I just don't think that he's going to see that type of volume. That is my biggest problem with him. The Cardinals want to run the football. They are they were a team that wants to establish the run. They are a team hashtag establish the run. And so with all those things considered, I just think that you are baking into where he is going. You are taking his absolute ceiling, and I think that's a problem. I don't think he's going to hit it. I think he's much more likely to come much much further down than that. So that's why I have him at where I do. I, 
I get what you're saying, but I also think the fact of like their the rushing toward the end of the year, I think that was more of a case of Cliff going with what they had versus what he wants, right? Like we I think we all believe that we're gonna see the the offense at least progress a little bit more to what we thought we were getting with with Cliff. Last year, if you look at it, uh, Arizona was 18th in pass attempts. Houston was 20th. I think we can easily see Kyler go over 600, uh, 600 passing attempts. I mean, we had nine teams in the NFL last year who did that. I don't see why Kyler could not be there this year. I think the reason, like I said, why we saw it was the fact of like, who was Kyler going to be throwing to last year? So I, I definitely think that's a case where, is he going to be getting the 160, 170 targets that he was getting in, in years past? No, I, I completely agree with you there. But I do think he can thrive as, a, as an efficient receiver. And I don't think the, the targets and the target share is, is that big of a deal. If we look at 2019, the top 12 receivers from weeks 1 to 16 – Average 133 and a half targets. Michael Thomas was the only receiver last year with over 150. To, or he was two. Yeah, he was the only one from weeks one to 16 that had over 150 targets. D Hop sat at 150 on the nose, and we had six wide receivers who were at or that 25 percent market share threshold. And if you go back three years, that number just that number goes up. But I think that's more of a trend of what we're going to see going forward. I don't think we're going to see the 200 target a b and holio years anymore i think our wide receiver ones for fantasy purposes are going to be living in that 140 to 160 occasionally like 170 180 kind of guy 2018 we had eight receivers that were at or above 25 percent 2017 that was nine so like i said i think that's a trend it's i don't think it's going to continue just to keep going down but i don't think we need to have guys who are at that, you know, 29, 30, 33%. Do we want that? Absolutely. But I don't think that's going to be a prerequisite for wide receiver one seasons going forward. But I do agree with you on the the targets aren't going to be there. And I do agree with you on the point of at wide receiver five, like that's kind of his ceiling, right? I don't I don't think we see him crack too much further into there unless he has some absurd kind of touchdown variability. And we've touched on that before, but the dude's a monster. I think we see that the Cliff Kingsbury offense progress. I don't think it's going to be a case of Kenyon Drake is just going to – and that running game is just going to completely go by the wayside. But I do think we see those attempts come down. I think we see the pass attempts go up. So if he's if he's sitting at that 22%, like you were saying, 22 to 25 that I think that I think he'll be able to because he was what wide receiver three last year, if I'm not mistaken, in half PPR scoring, like I said, from weeks one to 16. So um, I, I think that's something where he's not going to fall too much further from that. And if we believe that Kyler Murray is the truth, like I think both of us believe that he is, I think that he'll be able to get a wide. I can't even remember where. Kirk or Fitz came in last year in terms of their fantasy finish, but none of them were, I think even sniffed like wide receiver two, maybe Fitz did. So I think we see this year with D hop giving us a wide receiver one season. But I, like I said, I do agree that the wide receiver five is kind of a ceiling and the, the targets aren't going to be what they were before, but I don't think I don't, the fact that he was the only one in that offense last year, because if you look to, Back to 2016, when Will Fuller was 
uh, drafted. He has they have 41 games together and 21 games where it was just D Hop, and his numbers are fairly similar. PPR points he averaged about one more point per game with without Fuller on the field. His receptions obviously go up a little bit, the yards and everything, but it's not a it's not a massive discrepancy between the two. So I, I think the fact of Kirk and Fitz and whoever else they're going to throw in. By the way, your boy Dan Arnold, uh, Max Williams is projected the starter right now. So I'm just going to I'm going to throw salt in that wound while while we're at it. Um, uh, yeah, he's the blocking tight end. I mean, yeah, that's fine. That, that's what that's what he's going to be. But the pass catching tight end is Dan Arnold, and Dan Arnold's absolutely. Don't even get me started on Dan. Dan Arnold's absolutely free. This is Dan Arnold breakout season, boys. I'm ready for it. I think that that more or less sums up both of our. Did you have anything else you want to throw on there, or do you want to move on? No, I mean that's pretty much it. That's my biggest issue with DeAndre Hopkins. I love the player, and I think that if he was going a little bit later, uh, that I would feel a little bit more comfortable with it. But I just don't like what. The volume that I that I that I see here that I'm projecting for this Cardinals offense, this passing offense, the four wide receiver sets, which is what we a big thing we talked about as well, which predicates uh, spreading the ball around. And I think with all those things considered, I just don't think DeAndre Hopkins comes close to that 30% target share or 104 receptions. So if that's not happening, he's going to have to live off tight end or tight ends off touchdowns, and that that is one of the most volatile stats to try to predict. So um, I, I I try to follow the the opportunity and I try to follow the volume, and I just don't think it's going to be there as much as it has been in years past. So that's. Where with him so i said all that then let's go ahead and jump over to adam thielen who is wide receiver eight now this is one we are relatively close on i haven't wide receiver eight i think you have a wide receiver 10 not a huge discrepancy here i can kind of see the pros and the cons for him but for for both for me i look at him he played only played 10 games last year he was obviously hurt got hurt last year he only had 48 targets 11 deep targets 17 percent target share 11.4 fantasy points per game but like i said he was hurt for most of last year now everything we know we know stefan diggs is gone they went and drafted my boy justin jefferson who I think is probably, again, I still think has the clearest path to targets uh, of any rookie wide receiver, but this isn't about Justin Jefferson. Some obvious issues that I think that we, that we should probably look at first is one issue that could pose a threat to Thielen's ceiling could be the level that they run the ball. Um, the Vikings receivers touched the ball 147 times last year in 2019, or 18.5%, which ranked 29th in the league. And Thielen also played less in the slot last year, 29% compared to 2018, where he played 46% of the snaps. Now, we factor in now that they just added Justin Jefferson, played primarily in the slot at, at LSU. I know he, he really thrived there, but I, th- I think they're going to have to move him outside because I don't think they completely move Adam Thielen away from that. I think they both split time in the slot. I think Adam Thielen, we know that he has the rapport here with Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins loves to nickel and dime down the field. He is somebody that is risk-averse and does not like to throw the deep ball. And so Adam Thielen, I think, gets much closer to that 26% target share that he saw in 2018 where he was an absolute monster monster where he had almost 1400 yards nine touchdowns and 19.1 fantasy points per game the writing's on the wall now i like i said i do think they're gonna have to throw the ball more this year and that's something that we've kind of talked about when we've talked about justin jefferson that i think that we're gonna see a little bit more volume here in this passing offense because of the fact that i think their defense is gonna take a step backwards and i think that's gonna cause them to have to throw the ball a little bit more now if dalvin cook sits out that could also have something to do with it so all those things considered adam thielen is in one of those rare positions Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Where there's really not much target competition outside of the fact that he has Justin Jefferson. Now, I, the people will bitch it that last year they, they ran 12 personnel and 35% of the time last year. I think some of that had to fact to do with the fact that once Adam Thielen went down, that's when a lot of it started happening. That's when you see Kyle, or Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith be used a lot more because they really had nobody else. It was Olabisi Johnson and Laquan Treadwell, so they had to use 12 personnel a little bit more. Uh, even if they do, I'm still okay with it. Adam Thielen's going to absolutely eat in terms of targets, and I think, like I said, I think he comes much closer to that 20, 26 percent target share that he saw in 2018 so that's why i have him where he have him i don't think he has a massive ceiling i don't think he's somebody that you can project you think that he's going to finish like wide receiver three or wide receiver four but i feel really confident that falling into that wide receiver seven to ten range i feel really great about that especially in ppr and half point ppr formats yeah for sure i'm not going to add too much more here so we can move on to our next debate but like you said the the main thing is if you look at last year, they were sixth in the NFL in terms of offensive snaps with a lead. Like you said, that defense is starting to fall apart. They're not what they used to be, so they're going to have to throw more. That's obviously going to play into Thielen's hand. They, I mean, outside of Thielen, it's the the tight ends. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is the is a new addition. The running backs are going to be involved as well. But I think it's it's easily. Adam Thielen leading that uh, that receiving group. His his price is starting to come up a little bit from where it was whenever we were talking about some some guys we liked as early values. Um, three hundred four wide receiver nine according to Fantasy Football Calculator, but still just wide receiver fourteen in the Fantasy Pros consensus. And then over on Best Ball tens, he's wide receiver fifteen. So between the Fantasy Pros consensus and um, the best ball tens. I, he's obviously still a value there because we obviously have him higher at this point. Uh, but he, he's definitely someone who, like we were talking about earlier, you would love to pair a Thielen with somebody like a Tyreek Hill so you can balance out that volatility in your um, in your draft strategy and in, in your roster and looking at your, your week-to-week scoring. But uh, let's move on to number nine in our consensus top 12, and that is Kenny Galladay. Now, I will lead by saying this. Um, you know, with with these ranks, I had to hashtag put my nuts on the table, and Kenny Galladay was just more or less the uh, the sacrificial lamb, uh, for, for lack of a better term. I had to move somebody down, and it was Kenny G. I probably, sh- like I said, I should have him ranked higher, but there were some guys I wanted to get in my top 12 who I've been banging the table for all offseason. Like I said, Kenny G was just the one who uh, who kind of fell um, if you look at what he has been doing over the past couple of years, he's been super consistent. Obviously, last year he had to deal with with Stafford going down, but I guess my big thing with him is I'm not sure how much more how much more he can progress in terms of what he's done over the past couple of seasons. Right? Um, look at 2018, 70 catches, uh, over a thousand yards, five touchdowns. Last year, that the touchdown total really came up, went up to 11, and he went 65 for 11.90. Now, again, that was only with, I think it was eight or nine weeks with Stafford, and then he had bombs the, the rest of the season. But I, I love Marvin Jones this year. 
that defense, I think, is still going to be a question mark. So, I mean, the, the targets are still going to be there, but I think we could see more of a of a 1A, 1B kind of split between Galladay and Jones. And I do foresee TJ Hawkinson, if he is fully healthy, taking that next step. He obviously had that first game of the year, and everyone was everyone was celebrating, especially all the guys who had TJ Hawkinson as their uh, number one overall dynasty tight end. But and then through through the rest of the year, he just completely fell off, and we literally forgot who he was by the end of the year. But I do foresee him taking that step forward. Obviously, the addition of DeAndre Swift, I think he's a he's a perfect fit for if they want to use a workhorse back. I don't think carry on Johnson's going to be it. But anyway, we're, we're not talking about that. The, uh, the offense as a whole, like I said, that's I, and the, the guys that I have above him, I don't think whenever you're drafting, you're going to have to make the decision of, do I take Galladay or somebody like I have uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Boyd ahead of him. You're going to be able to draft both. That's not a situation where you're going to have to choose between the two. Like I said, that was my hashtag nuts on the table take. Those are two guys I've been pounding the table for. So Galladay was the one who uh, who had to suffer from my uh, from my waka flaka flame. Well, let me go ahead and just throw a fucking bucket of water on why you're wrong there, because like of all the players, you could have moved out. Like we're we're gonna be talking about some Tyler Boyd, okay? And, and you know, um, hashtag or not hashtag, but a little preview. He has him at wide receiver twelve, which is fucking ridiculous and we'll get we'll get into mm. that i have him at wide receiver like 30 okay uh, i think that is much more in line with where he should be going but we'll talk about that later that, that's another conversation for another day let's talk about kenny Gallup. the dude last year balled with david fucking blau which i didn't even know what a david blau was whenever he went to start <laughs> he's like, a baller I, I remember that from dfs like having to like really like who who like i'm pretty confident in like knowing most court most teams backup quarterbacks where and when they said david blau i'm like what like, uh, but anyways, and he also had Jeff Driscoll last year th- for a lot of the year throwing on the ball. We, Matt Stafford had the traverse process, um, which we've, it's not a big deal. We've seen other quarterbacks have it. Um, it's, it's not really that big of a deal. So with all those things, you give me a full year with, with Matt Stafford, who was absolutely balling last year. Yes, give me all of the Kenny Galladay. He averaged seven targets per game, 21% target share. He was number one in deep targets last year. 18.3 yard per reception was fourth. He was sixth in yards per target, seventh in contested catch rate. He was 11th in fantasy points per target. He was fifth in air yards and his 15.1 average depth of target. He was third in catches of 30 plus yards with 11. The dude is a monster. I think he's only getting better. The, cra- the the one crazy thing is I will say is he's already 26 years old. He's t- almost 27. I think by the end of the year he'll be 27. He is an older prospect. It doesn't feel like he's been in the league for that long, but, which he really hasn't been. But he came in the league much older. But with all those things considered, like I said, with a full year of my, Matt Stafford, I really love Kenny Galladay. But I'll also say this. I'll say this to say that, that Marvin Jones is criminally undervalued because yeah. like, he averages uh, with Matt Stafford on the field, like I think it's like one, one and a half fantasy points per game less than what Kenny Galladay does. And, Kenny, and right. Marvin Jones is going in the, in the ninth round. So if you wanted to pass up on Kenny Galladay and just hammer Marvin Jones, I wouldn't hate that either because I think Marvin Jones is criminally undervalued undervalued as well but like i said with all things considered he was first in receiving yards on contested catch rates ahead of Devonte parker mike williams and julio jones and like i said david blau and jeff driscoll so that's my biggest you know he was able to do that last year w- with guys like that i think his ceiling i don't think is substantially higher than what what that is 
I think that he's somebody that you could probably you know see 1,400 yards with as explosive as he is of a downfield threat um, with Matt Stafford there. I don't think the touchdown numbers, which is crazy to see 11 touchdowns led the league last year. Like you know, we typically see you know 15, 16 touchdowns, something like that. But I still think that he can come in somewhere between that eight to 10 range of touchdowns. So I like him as a solid wide receiver one value, and I have no problem with like I said. I think I have a wide receiver nine, I believe. So uh, I think that is fair value for him. Like I said, I think on a week to week basis, I think you can. He's somebody that you can really count on. I, I I literally can't even disagree with anything you said. Like, like like I said, I mean, I was just I was making I couldn't I couldn't in my heart of hearts talk about guys like Boyd and Metcalf this entire offseason and then not have the cojones to put them in the in the top twelve. And Galladay was just the the odd man out at that point. But the dude's a baller. If if Stafford stays healthy this entire year, he's absolutely gonna finish above where I have him. Like I said, it was just a case of getting my guys in the in the top twelve just to you know I mean so so I didn't back down from from my takes. But uh we are going to move on to Calvin Ridley, who is our wide receiver ten. Uh has a an ADP of 405 wide receiver 16 at Fat Fantasy Football Calculator and at 17 over on the consensus ranks was I, I was I was surprised to see with as much hype as he's been getting that uh his consensus rank of fantasy pros was was at 17 but we uh we've been talking about him enough we don't have to dive into him into, into him too deep but uh it's, like I said the same thing we t- touched on with Julio 200 tar- 200 plus targets gone in that offense. Calvin Ridley has yet to go over 90. I mean, to go over 100 rather. I think he said like 92 and 93 over the past two years. This will absolutely be the year that he approaches that 120 130 range. And I I just I love this offense as a whole. And uh, I think this is setting up as the the Calvin Ridley breakout year. And I think he's absolutely going to ball out. And if you're able to get him at the beginning to mid fourth, you know, where he's going right now, I mean, even on best ball tens, he's wide receiver 14 at 39. So he's going right there, right at the beginning of the fourth over there. At that price, I'm, I'm definitely hammering that. And uh, especially in a place like best ball, I would not mind doubling up and stacking those receivers. It's not something I, I I'm too crazy about for redraft league just because, you know, in most situations, if one of those, if Matt Ryan has a bad game, you're just completely screwed. Best ball. I'm more likely to do that. Um, but is there anything else you wanted to add on and touch on with Calvin Ridley? No, but I think you pretty much nailed it. I think that uh, we're right there. Lockstep on that. So let's go to Amari Cooper. I want you to tell me why, like, I feel like I am right in why? line. With uh, Amari Cooper, um, I have him uh, at what wide receiver fourteen? Is it? Tell me why. Uh, yeah, you have him at fourteen, and I have him at eight. Yes, so which is right right in line with what his consensus ranking is because he's well, he's going wide receiver twelve according to Fantasy Calculator. Wide receiver thirteen is his consensus ranking. So I'm I'm pretty much right there in line. Um, I'm gonna well, actually, I'm, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna start off and tell you why you're wrong. Because here's here's my issue with him, and like I like Amari Cooper, I think he's fine, but 
I, I don't know. Again, ceiling wise, I don't. I don't know if it's how how much of it's there. He had seven point four targets per game, twenty percent target share, which was thirty fifth in the league. I might add seventy nine receptions, twelve hundred yards, third and completed air yards, eight touchdowns, fifteen point four fantasy points per game, fifteen point one yards per reception, fourteenth in yards per uh, per route, and eighteenth in fantasy points per target, and fourteenth in air yards. Now, if you look at him last year, he really started the uh, year uh, hot, right? And then his fantasy production dipped in the second half of the season when Michael fucking Gallup emerged. Uh, from weeks nine on, Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup outproduced him 15.3 fantasy points per game to 12.9 fantasy points per game for Cooper. Now, if you look at this offense, this offense was really good last year, especially their passing offense. Dak Prescott was a was a beast, and we we both love Dak Prescott. I have Dak Prescott at QB3 this year, so I don't, I'm not expecting any sort of a drop-off. I just don't know how much higher his ceiling can get Maybe he gets a little bit more touchdowns, but yardage-wise, I don't, I don't see it going up much more. I don't think he's going to get many more targets. I don't think any of those things are really going to change because Michael Gallup is still in that offense. They added C.D. Lamb, Blake Jarwin, Ezekiel Elliott. There's a lot of guys here, and I don't think that Amari Cooper is going to come in that kind of target share. So for me, I much more feel much more safer with taking him around there. I think he's a solid, you know, even if you got him as your wide receiver one, I'd feel fine with that. But I think he's a solid wide receiver two. Well, let me rephrase it. I don't know if I really would want him as my wide receiver one, to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't know if I would feel fantastic about it. I think he's another guy that's a little volatile on a week-to-week basis. So for me, like, I like Amari Cooper, the player. And again, if you if you have, if you if he was going a little bit later in drafts, I may have a little bit more consideration. I don't hate where he's going, but all things considered, I just don't think the ceiling is there, uh, or there, he has a high enough ceiling f- for me. So I think he's a fine wide receiver too. The thing with Gallup coming on at the end of the year, we also have to keep in mind of how banged up Cooper was all year, right? He had the foot sprain the preseason. He had he, he had the ankle sprain. He had the, the quad issue. Then he had a knee sprain in week 10. So that was literally from the preseason until week 10. He was, he was dealing with all those issues. I love Gallup. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from him there. But we've, we've seen pretty consistently, I think he's gotten – more willing to do so, but Dak is definitely a, a see it, throw it kind of quarterback. That's why at the, you know, the beginning of his career, why things didn't tend to work out with Dez because at the end of Dez's career, he wasn't much of a separator. He was more of that throw up contested catch kind of guy. And we've seen Dak is more, he would prefer to see the guy open first. And Amari Cooper is an absolute animal with his route running and his ability to get open and to, to create space for himself. So all the all with Lamb being added, does that does that bode well for him? Obviously not. We'd want to have basically just be Cooper and Gallup again. But I think Gallup will be absolutely fine. I think uh you know, Dak is one of those guys that we that we see who can have that outside shot at a, at a QB one season. He's he's only been getting better since his uh, since his rookie year, and I think that this this could just be one of those instances where, with a fully healthy Amari Cooper, because if you look at you you mentioned at the the end of the year what happened with uh, between Gallup and Cooper, I think that was more I think that was more injury related than than like talent related, right? If you look at what Cooper has actually performed better with Gallup on the field than whenever it's just been Cooper. So looking at the the D, D, the DLF player splits app, uh, 23 games where they played together, eight where, they, where it was just Cooper, uh, 16 points with Gallup 
PPR has has mean PPR points, and without Gallup, that drops down to eleven point six. Now, again, obviously with with Lamb, that's gonna that's gonna change some things here as well. But um, that that defense has lost a lot of pieces all across that defense, so I think we could see them throwing more. So. Would we want 140, 150 targets for Cooper? Absolutely. Last year, I think he was at like 119. I, I mean, if he gets up to 130-ish, 135, I don't think he. there's any reason why he couldn't be a, a back-end wide receiver one for, for fantasy purposes. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all to see him more involved in the in the red zone as well. We've seen the, uh, the offensive line kind of starting to fall to the wayside for – for Dallas and that was one of their strengths with with Zeke and Dak at the beginning of their careers. So I think the the passing volume is going to go up in total. Yes, there are more pieces, but I think the kind of quarterback Dak is, he's a see a throw kind of guy. And uh that is definitely going to bode well for Amari Cooper and his ability with his route running and his ability to get open. Yeah, I mean, so I actually was went and looked real quick and updated the fan show about I don't hate where he's going. So right now he's going at 310. Like, I don't, I don't really hate that. If you can get him in, like, late third, early fourth, I actually think that's a pretty solid spot for him. But that's wide receiver 12. The next two are Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Robert Woods that are all kind of going around him in that, that late third, early fourth. Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell is going right ahead of him. So I, I can tell you personally, I'd rather have Odell. I'd rather have Juju Smith-Schuster. I'd rather have Allen Robinson for sure, obviously. And I'd probably get to probably Cooper Cup is probably where I would. I would rather have. I would definitely rather have Amari Cooper than Cooper Cup. And I'd probably rather have him than DJ Moore. I, I think it's a preference thing. Like I, I don't hate. Uh, it's a. It's certainly something that we should be looking for is wide receivers and explosive offenses, which is something that Dallas provides. So I, I definitely can see the upside. I, I don't hate where I have him. I feel like I have him kind of right where he right where he should be going. Um, I just don't think he has, at least for me, if, there's no way I could feel like him putting him in like wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine. I just think those wide receivers have a little bit more upside than he does um, in that range. So, so like, let's just jump to the last one, right? Uh, let's jump to Odell, like who's who's tough. He's that guy that's. Is it a name? Is is is? Are, am I still believing in his name, or does he still have it in the tank? He's 27 years old. Uh, last year, he did play in all 16 games, though he was banged up. He played through a lot of injuries last year. Uh, the offense as a whole was awful. Baker Mayfield was terrible, but he still, you know, twenty five point six percent target share. He was second in deep targets, though his twelve point six fantasy points per game was thirty third. He finished with seventy four receptions, just over a thousand yards, four touchdowns. Uh, but he, the, there's some positives here though, because he do he was third in total air yards, and he counted for thirty eight percent of the, to- the team's total air yards. So I think this offense takes a step forward. While I do agree that this team that wants to run the football. I do think that Baker Mayfield can take a step forward this year and be much more efficient now that Freddie Kitchens is gone. Uh, Stefanski's there. Now, I think this offense kind of trends forward and be a little bit closer to the offense that we were hoping it was going to be last year. The offseason reports that Odell has really bought into this this uh, this scheme that Stefanski's bringing over here. So, with all those things considered, you know, I think between him and Jarvis Landry, I think both of them are still going to eat. And then at a tight end position, they brought in Austin Hooper. They still have David Njoku. I think they're going to be running some 12 personnel, but that doesn't really affect Odell Beckham. I think with Odell Beckham finally stay healthy, I definitely think he can still be that guy who averaged, what was it, like almost 70 receptions, 80 or 70 receptions, six receptions, 86 yards per game, uh, which is what he did for um, while he was in 
for his first six seasons in the league, I still think that guy is there. And I think this is one spot where last year he was going at wide receiver six. Um, Now you're getting him at a little bit of a discount. Like I said, going in late third, early fourth round, depending on what people feel about him, because people aren't as high on him as he used to be. The kind of the excitement of him has worn off. But like I said, I I still think that he can make up some of this stuff. I think expecting, I think I haven't projected probably for around 1200 yards and about eight touchdowns. So I think, I think that's well within the range of possibility. And so I have no problem with taking Odell. And he, he certainly has nuclear upside in him as well. For sure, man. Uh, the reason why I had had him ranked a little bit lower was just some of the questions. Like, does Stefanski actually want to run 12 personnel more, or was that a, a case of you know Mike Zimmer more or less telling him what to do? There are just some questions with him that I don't have with some of the other guys ahead of him where I feel more confident in that. You know, I mean, I feel there's, like, less questions. So, But, dude, the, this was harder – ranking these guys than what I thought it was going to be. You hit me up. What was that Saturday night or something? Asked if I had them done. I was like, Oh, you know what, man, just, just give me a second. I'll, I'll get my top 12 done here. And dude, then I started doing them. I was moving guys all the way up, all the way down. So like, honestly, after that top five, top six kind of range, there are so many guys that, that you can make a case for, you know, basically going from seven to, you know, 16, 14 kind of range. Um, but like I said, the, the reason why I just had him a little bit lower, I just had a couple more questions. Jarvis feels like, you know, we talked about Marvin Jones being slept on as the, as the secondary option to Kenny Galladay. Marvin, I, yeah, Marvin. Jarvis. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry's always is, always is criminally undervalued every year. So that's, he, he's someone else who, who I think can provide you that really nice value as the, you know, what seems like the second option in that offense, but way more of a one, a one B kind of thing. So I, he, like I said, I had, I had way more trouble with these rankings than I thought I was going to. And he was one of the ones who I, who I also had issues with. I think I had him as high as like nine or 10 at one point. Then I dropped him down a little bit. And then ultimately he ended up at 16 for me. And I know I'm just going to end up going through and completely redoing all of these at, at some point between now and the beginning of the season. But Odell definitely has that that massive upside if we see if we get a little bit of a surprise from Stefanski and it's not that twelve personnel, maybe they run more eleven, you know, or or the the running game isn't the sole focus to the point that, you know, to where we're all kind of making it out to be now. If they go a little bit more pass heavy, if Baker takes that step forward and we see more rookie year Baker than sophomore year Baker. Uh, that entire offense is obviously going to benefit from that. And Odell, I I don't think he is just a name. I or like, you know, we're I don't think we're holding him in that regard because of what he did in seasons past. I still think he has some in the tank. He played with that hernia injury all year last year where I think they came out that it was either mid season or toward the end of the year once, you know, shit kind of shit hit the fan in, in Cleveland. But basically came out and said that like Odell should have had this in the the, the hernia surgery in the off season and it wouldn't have been an issue. So he still got to over a thousand yards playing with uh with the sports hernia injury. So he, like I said, he's he's someone who I had trouble ranking, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a, a top ten guy, and it also wouldn't surprise me if they do end up being the kind of offense of in terms of what we've been 
projecting for them since the Stefanski hire. It wouldn't surprise me if he was more of like a, a mid wide receiver two option either. He's he's definitely someone who if I had a you know if I had a crystal ball or a, a time machine for fantasy purposes, I would love to see what his season looks like. Um, you know, week sixteen, week seventeen. Like I said, I think the upside's certainly there, and that that's what you're looking for. Once you get him now in the third round, some of that's been baked out of where he was going. So um I like Odell. So one last thing I think we need to talk about before we before we is we didn't bring up the big news of the Cam Newton signing. Um, we've already obviously done our, our quarterback rankings. It's tough, right, with, with with Cam Newton because now he signs with the New England Patriots on a one-year deal. It's hard for me to imagine that he's not going to be the starting quarterback of the of the New England Patriots if he's healthy, because it's Jared Stidham. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get all like I've I don't I don't get all this of like hey he hasn't been named the starter yet. Stop. He's he's gonna be the starter. Yeah, like you, I, I can't imagine a scenario where Jared Stidham beats him out in camp. You know what I mean? Right. Like it just ain't gonna happen. So for me, like if you look at like at, at uh, Cam Newton when he's healthy, in terms of fantasy, like the dude's a baller. Like he's he's been, I think every year he's been healthy, he's been at least a top five quarterback in every single season. His rushing ability that he brings to the table, he has that Konami code in terms of being able to do that. He's like a tank out there. There is some question marks about his his pass catches, but that's what he's always had in his career. Most of the time, his his, his wide receivers have been Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess and guys like that. I honestly think that we should probably be looking at somebody like Nikhil Harry a little bit differently now that they've brought in Cam Newton, right? Uh, Nikhil Harry was going out like wide receiver 60-something or 70 or something like that before this. Now, like I I moved up Nikhil Harry to wide receiver, I think 40, 41, 42, something in that range. I I moved up quite a bit because I do think that this, this is going to have a big impact on that offense. I think that Nikhil Harry is kind of that perfect target for, for um, Cam Newton. So, like I said, I, I think this is a, a big boost to him. I think he's somebody that we have to wait and see kind of what his full injury report is uh, because it sounds like he's healthy and he's been working out and everything else. And if that foot is good to go, like it, it's hard not to like New England in this offense. I think that I think you're right. The, the entire offense gets a bump. Fantasy Football Calculator has Harry at wide receiver 62 at 14.09 and best ball 10 since yesterday. Um, he is wide receiver 60. So I, I would definitely expect that to go up. Uh, looking at the at the Best Ball 10s platform, some of the names going ahead of uh, Harry right now, Deshaun Jackson, Curtis Samuel, Brashad Perriman, Sammy Watkins, uh, Robbie Anderson, Justin Jefferson, Preston Williams, Golden Tate are some of the names going ahead of him. So I, I would definitely expect him to jump up a little bit. I do – you're right. He like he hasn't had he hasn't been surrounded by top notch talent, you know, outside of you know McCaffrey, really, and and uh, and Greg Olson. But other than that, like he hasn't had like a star studded cast of receivers, anyway. So I think that the, like I said, the, the the offense as a whole gets a bump, but I'm not sure how high, how much higher I'm going to be taking those guys once I you know once I get to to ranking them. Um, cause I, I still think there are going to be some question marks. And like you said, the, the injury thing is the, is the biggest thing. And that's why New England gave him the, the one year contract that was so, uh, incentive heavy. And I mean, that's, it's what you expect the, the, the Patriots to do anyway, right? Like they just sit there, the bears go out and trade, what was it like a third or a fourth for Nick Foles. And then the Patriots just come in and get Cam Newton for free. Rinse, wash, repeat. 
It's, it's just what they do. So like I said that. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think now that they've added Cam Newton, do you think that they are a contender for? Uh, not, not. I mean, do you think they're the favorites to win the the AFC East now? If that defense can be the defense of last year, for sure, I think it's. I think that's that team is still going to ride on the defense. If if that defense does what they've been doing for the past two seasons, then I mean, I I think you kind of have to. Like it's it's so hard to doubt the Patriots. No matter how much we want to, no matter how much we think they're falling off, or no more Brady now. Well, what do they do? They go out, they get Newton, completely revamps that entire offense. It has us talking completely differently about it. I mean, the 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 only real threat is the Bills, right? And the thing that's holding them back is Josh Allen. As good as he is for fantasy, would it surprise you if he was like a if if he was out by like before the end of his second contract in terms of you know what I mean he just kind of is relegated to a, to a backup quarterback role? I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think that's obviously their, their, the only real threat to the Patriots. And if we can get – I mean, dude, honestly, if if it's even 75 80% of Cam Newton, like I think that's going to be good enough to to float the rest of that offense. I mean, you look at the division, the Jets are obviously no no shot. Um, I do think the Dolphins take a big step forward this year. I think they're a much better, better team than they were last year. I don't think I don't know if they're good enough to contend for the AFC East this year, but they're certainly heading in the right direction um, with all the moves that they made over the over the off season and all the draft picks that they they uh, have. But yeah, I mean, I think it still comes down to New England and and the Bills, and you know how much can you trust Josh Allen? But this Cam Newton signing, if Cam Newton returns and he is the Cam Newton that we we know. Like I think this was a the kind of a, a a typical Patriots move, right? Everybody thinks the Patriots are dead in the water, they're done, and then they go out and just out of nowhere on a on a Sunday afternoon, everyone's chilling, having a good time, and you know you, you got Adam Schefter out here dropping bombs on you on a Sunday afternoon that Cam Newton signs with the Patriots. So um, it will be interesting to see how he fits in because you know Cam Newton's got all that swagger, that bravado, and everything else showing up to press conferences. Uh, you know, wearing I don't know what you know something that I, you know something that I could never pull off for sure. But uh, I mean, he definitely can. I, it's going to be interesting how the Patriots, because the Patriots, you know, the Patriots way. You know, you're not supposed to really stand out or anything like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Cam Newton shows up and kind of fits into that. Do the uh, the edit of Bill Belichick's face on Cam Newton with the with the scarf is is dude Twitter and the internet will remain undefeated the fact that someone pulls stuff out like that so quickly is it's it's be, like dude that was by far the best one with like the like the little scarf wrapped around his head dude that was <laughs> that was so good but just real quick uh miami dolphins according to the fandle sportsbook they're over under on the year is six and the buffalo bills are sitting at i think it was eight and a half yeah they're sitting at eight and a half the Jets are at six and a half, and the Patriots are up to nine and a half. I'm not sure where they were pre-Cam, but I can't imagine they were at nine and a half, right? I think they were. I, I was surprised when I saw what I think I saw it like maybe last week or something like that. I was surprised of how high that total was for them. So yeah, like I, I think Vegas still still believes. I mean, this defense is still largely intact. They lost a couple of pieces in Kyle Van Noy. And a couple other pieces on that defense, but um, I still uh, intact. I mean, their, their secondary is still is still coming back, which was one of the biggest strengths. So, um, yeah, I think that defense is still really good. So, uh, it's going to be fun to watch Cam Newton on the Patriots. Though I do know that. 
yeah, like you said, the, the whole dynamic of, you know, the, the Patriot way and, you know, what, what Cam has been largely his entire career will be a, Will definitely be a fun watch, and now we have another another offense that we are intrigued in for fantasy purposes. So make sure you guys stick it, stick and stick in here. Stay tuned, stay stay sticked in, stay stuck, as as I think they say. Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be making sure that we're hitting you guys with all the relevant content with everything that's going on. Uh, be sure to leave the rate reviews, everything. But more importantly, we want to see your. Need to make sure I take a take a little pause here and say this all at once, so it doesn't sound as bad as it just went through in my head right before I say it. <laughs> Hit us with your hashtag nuts on the table takes with uh, for the wide receiver position. Let us know who who your bold call is is to finish the year with a wide receiver one. And like I said, uh, we we really appreciate all you guys rocking with us and hitting us with those with the right reviews and subscribes and everything else. So that'll wrap it up for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at ffff. You can find Kevin on Twitter at fantasyrat13. We will be back with you guys on Wednesday as we go through wide receivers 13 to 24 and give you guys some deep targets. So until then. We will see you guys later. We hope you enjoy your stay. It's good to have you with us, even if it's just for the day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.